May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC, Poobah of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, doing our bit to preserve the legacy of Shinryu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. And anything else that comes to mind, I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest. Um, You know, but before I go into that, I want to say something. I erroneously thought that when I was recording, if I hit the mute button, that it wouldn't be recorded. So I recently have started hitting the mute button when I coughed. And I have coughed a lot since, uh, mainly I coughed a lot in, oh, mid-June through August. <laughs> I had bronchitis. and I, But I cough now, and I coughed before that, you know. Um but, well, it did, it did mute the person I'm talking with, but it didn't mute the recording, which isn't fair. But, so I've got these podcasts, I don't know how many, I don't know where it is, that have got coughs in it. Um, and, you know, before I got that bright idea, I was uh, marking in the minute and second and trying to go find them. And I usually would, I think. Now, I'm just going to say, excuse me. Because, see, the thing is, I, I, I uh, transcribe these with uh, AI. And it, it's, it, so far, I don't have an AI that, that says cough. I've seen it. But um, maybe it was on another one I tried as a test that I had to pay for. And it was too much. Uh, but it just let me know sort of what was happening uh, there. And so, anyway, there probably is some artificial intelligent transcriber that says cough. Now, if there isn't, there will be one in the future. And uh, it has to also be affordable. Uh, so, we'll see. Anyway, my apologies. Um, and, uh, uh, hey, if you hear a cough in any of them, Note the time and shoot me uh, an email at dchad at cuke.com. Uh, that'd be very nice of you. Or any other comments you want to make. Or your life story. <laughs> so, um, anyway, all right. Today we have a guest, J.J. Wilson. And she is a return guest. Now, uh, I did a podcast with her a few years ago. Uh and uh, you should go hear it, too, if you haven't heard it. J.J. is, oh, she's great. She wasn't really a Zen student, but she knew uh, Shinryu Suzuki really well. She came to Zen Center in 1961 with her husband, Philip Wilson, who was a very close, very tight 
a disciple of Shunyu Suzuki, uh, who uh, Suzuki sent to Japan. Uh, Philip went in 64 uh, to Japan and was at AHG like uh, not quite a year. And then he went to, oh, was he? oh yeah, he went to Kamakura. But anyway, and he was at Tassahara at the first and everything. And she talks about him some here. Uh, yeah, and we talk about him plenty uh, and other things. And we talk about Virginia Woolf. Because when J.J. was at Zen Center there in the early 60s, she was working on her Ph.D. thesis on uh, Virginia Woolf. And she went on to become, I'm sure, the leading authority on Virginia Woolf. And uh, Virginia Woolf wasn't big back then. And um, so uh, she also started the Women's Studies Program at Sonoma State University. And so she's sort of a, a matriarch of feminist studies and Virginia Woolf studies. And she's really delightful to talk with. So um, that's enough, huh? Let's give her a call after we've had our pause to meditate. So when you hear the bell, if you've such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to come back, hit unpause. And we'll be here to hit the bell or end the meditation or whatever. And we'll give J.J. Uh, Wilson a call. David. Hi, JJ. Can you hear me now? I can hear you great. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know you had to have a mic to talk on the phone. Well, I don't. I could call you on my iPhone, but but um, it, it's much better. And also, I want to record this because you might say some historically important <laughs> things. Uh, and I have Don't some... count on it. Don't count on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have some questions for you. So how was... Um, I think that was good last night that it didn't work because you had things to do. You went moon viewing. I did. And, oh, my gosh, you also... You saw it, too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we've was... got the moon here, too. That's something we have in common <laughs> with you. Well, it was, I thought, remarkable, like cheddar cheese or something here. The color was so different than moons usually are. Yeah, mm. good gracious. Mm. I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I'm glad I got to see it. I felt oh. privileged. Sometimes here it's so foggy, you may remember, yeah. that these things go unnoticed, these uh, uh, wonderful star changes and everything, and I feel so disappointed. But this was great. So, yes, thank you. I'm glad we didn't get to talk yesterday, too. I agree. Yeah. Moon, you're yeah. pretty good, but Moon was better. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what I said about the Moon here? Uh, a, a friend of mine was with his Japanese wife. They live 
mainly in Japan, but some in Seattle. And they were in some place like Idaho. And the waitress asked uh, Kyoko, his wife, if you could see the moon from Japan. <laughs> well, I was almost as silly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we think we own it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, That's silly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, you just sound wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's that's so good to hear your voice. So, uh, what are you up to these days? Let's see. Uh, as little as I can possibly manage, I find, David, and this is not very interesting for your podcast, I'm sure, but I'm now 87 years old, and I feel like I've seen everything already, seen it all. I don't go to events anymore. I don't, I went to a play that a friend put on, on Woody Guthrie, and I, I love Woody Guthrie, I love my friend, and I just wished, I did, you know, I didn't want to spend three hours sitting in one place, uh, listening to stuff which I knew already or something. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's some, I, lo- I used to go to everything. When I when I retired, I said yes to everything. And I, I realized that actually later I don't remember it all that well. It doesn't, it was a, a spectacle of some sort, you know, and it, it kind of felt good going down. But then later, it's not, it doesn't uh, stay with me in a, particularly positive way. Yeah. And uh, so I just, that's a change in me. And I, I like my own company. I guess I enjoy my own company, but they're just, time seems to be zipping by so rapidly that I want to keep kind of trying to slow it down, kind of trying to put the brake on a little bit and just uh, you know, enjoy the moment or whatever the cliche is, but I, that doesn't really describe what I'm experiencing. Um, so I, I find aging very fascinating, I guess is what I'm saying. And many changes, not just in the body, but in the whole way of experiencing life. And I hadn't really expected that. I thought I would be you know, my own JJ self, the, the usual self, all to the end, but I'm not. I'm a different, different JJ now. I tell you the truth. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I I hear you, and I understand, and I am uh, I'm pretty close in how I feel to that. I'll be darned. I'm amazed. I don't meet many people in California who recognize that as you seem to be. You know, ex- except. Even they don't accept it. They say, oh, but make an exception for my event. (laughs) 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 Oh, well, anyway, yeah, I I still appreciate people individually. And, oh, David, I have heard a wonderful, do you have time for me to tell you? It's not very long. I have nothing but time Uh, until I tell you. Right now, it's about 10.06 in the morning. I have a 2.15 dental appointment and I can walk there in about 20 minutes. 
story. It's not that long a story, but it involves uh, seeing someone whom I used to know as a child. Uh, her, his mother was uh, in the first class. I ever TA'd for at Berkeley. That was a long time ago. Wow. And um, so he, she, we, we stayed in touch, mostly thanks to her. Uh, and she came to SSU and got actually Sonoma State, where I taught. She got two masters here. And while she was doing that, her son would play over at this house quite a bit. And he, he, he remembered it. Uh, even though he'd gone to live in Nicaragua, where he is married and has two kids. Mm. He came back for a visit to visit his mother, who's not been well. He quarantined. He did all the right things. And then he said, he met his mother, and she said, what would you like to do? And he said, I want to go to JJ's house. So over he came last Sunday with his wife and two kids. And he went into this whole nostalgic, he saw the the porch railings he used to swing on, and now he's six foot six, so he can't do it anymore, you know. And his kids were happily doing it, and he said the house smelled the same. He was in a full ecstasy of, of memory uh, as a child. Mm. And uh, his wife and I began to talk as best we could. She's Nicaraguan, so... Her English is sort of a good about, I would like a cup of coffee, but not too good to talk about the Ph.D. she's working on now, which is about bees. Hmm. She has nine different kinds of bees and honey from them and works with that and is writing about that and speaking about that everywhere. Bees are apparently a very hot topic right now. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and she... But then she told me another story, and her husband, Niels, was like subtitling it for me. Um, she said that she'd lived in Cuba for several years, and when she got ready to go back to Nicaragua, she had many suitcases full of books. And the customs officials in Cuba were not, they didn't, they didn't approve of this. They didn't want to, okay, her taking all these books away. And so she took there were you know, she went away, came back in about a half an hour, empty suitcases. <laughs> they said, What did you do with all those books? What she had done is gone to the queue of people waiting in line for her flight to Nicaragua and asked each member, each person of had on the plane, if they would take a couple of her books on the plane with them. That's funny. That's really good. Was that smart? Yeah, that. You know, that I, is I would have taken. Yeah, I would have taken no for an answer. Yeah, a good German or something. You know, she isn't that the most darling solution to a problem. Wow, that's. that's I know. I I felt that too. I was just <laughs> so uh, much so that I'm taking uh, some <laughs> of the time when I'm supposed to be talking about myself to tell her story, but I just thought it was so lovely. Mm, that is good. That is good. Um, now, your, her son was there being nostalgic about your place. I can see your place. You you live in Sonoma, right? In the county of Sonoma, 
not in the town. Yeah, you're, have, you're out there yeah. in the country. I can see a row of of pretty tall trees. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, we turn now huge redwoods. Yeah, Philip yeah. put them in. It's the Philip Wilson Memorial Forest uh, because he, <laughs> uh, he, he he put them in as little saplings. You know. <gasps> oh my and god! And now they keep in. Everybody else in the world has a heat wave. Not here. We're just so cool. I've got a coat on right now, a jacket. Yeah, um, huh. even though it's. Yeah, it's just amazing what a difference it ecosystem it makes. And now the house is open is a library called the sitting room library, and it's open uh, three days a week. And I swear, I think people come as much for the cool as they do for the books. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Now, um, uh, Katrinka, my. Uh, beloved wife, and she remembers yeah. you very well. I had to remind her. Oh, and she said, "Oh, yeah, I loved her. I loved her plays too." And she said, "She's the one who who uh, founded the women's studies at Sonoma State University." Yes, I did, with a lot of help from the rest of the world, of course. But yes, yeah, <laughs> I get a lot of credit for it, and just got interviewed by. Bancroft, you know, at Berkeley, yeah, uh, which was a very big deal. They I, they came with cameras and God only knows what all. They have videos and then they printed it up and they did. By the way, this is an interesting point from the archival point of view, which I know is your interest uh, too. That um, they sent me the manu- the transcript of everything that had been said. And I had a month to make any changes I needed. And mm. then I sent it back to them. And after that, I can no longer touch it. You know, it's yeah. theirs. Well, that's really nice of them. That's good. That's good. I just had that, that happen, yeah. too. I just got interviewed. Good. And the guy, he doesn't post audio. He doesn't like audio. Uh, he just... and. uh uh, he, he, he sent me uh, the transcript, uh, he, he transcribed the whole thing, uh, and he said, change it any way you want. You can rewrite the whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. basically, I want what you have to say. And that was, that was good. Uh, I, I appreciated that. Um, incidentally, I recorded it while we were doing it too, and I ran the, the audio through uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, transcribers. <laughs> I sent it. I sent him the transcription because he just listens to it and types it. But um, you know, it needs a lot of correcting, and it had to separate. I uh, bet the yeah. host and guest. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's nice of them. I mean, that's nice. Uh, it's funny we both become history, David. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have believed it? <laughs> In those early carefree days when we were hanging out on Bush Street or whatever. Yeah, God. Yeah, I remember. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you were at Zen, you, you were at, at Zen Center, uh, uh, at the, uh, early Sokoji, uh, with your, yes, 
uh, husband. You were married then, right, Philip Wilson? Yes. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would never have been there if I hadn't been married. I didn't have any, you know, Zen quest in me. Yeah, I know. Just by marriage. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I know that. And I remember uh, you were working, maybe you were working on it even when I was there, I, because I do remember you, but you were there much earlier, like, you were you were around there five. Well, Philip was around there five years before I was. I don't know when you came in. Uh, uh, well, uh, I was. Yeah, I remember Bill Kwong and you know very early days coming and BB uh, uh, being a house husband because Laura Kwong was such a powerhouse in business. And she, she said, what are you doing going to Zen Center? He lived very nearby. And he said, he explained to her how important it was. And she said, well, I'd like to try it too. And he said, wonderful. That's, they set up a schedule. You know, he set up a schedule in his mind that he would babysit on Tuesdays. She would come to Zen Center on Tuesdays. He would go on Wednesdays. You know, he had it all set up. She came. She uh, sat in uh, Zazen, and then she went back to the house, and he said, well, uh, now, isn't that great? I remember now, you'll be going on Thursday. And she said, what for? And he said, well, to practice. And she said, well, once was enough. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's She'd good. gotten enlightenment in one, you know, in one fell swoop. Yeah. As far, she couldn't imagine why you would need to do it more than once. Uh, well, she later changed her tune on that. By yeah. golly, but that was adorable. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the early phases. Yeah, yeah. She got sort of uh, serious about it, and you know, they had—I don't know how many kids they had then, but they ended up having four boys, right? Yeah, um, they had two, I think, at that point, and one of them explained to oh that when he grew up, he was going to marry Laura. <laughs> That's funny. I thought that was, you That's know, funny. Freud in, acted out in real life. <laughs> you, you know, uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi did the same thing with her that he did with you. At some, at, at some point he told her, you know, you're a mother. You've got these kids. You don't have to push yourself to come here all the time. Uh you know, that's your number one priority. And that just took a big pressure, you know. Load because, off of her, yeah. Oh, yeah, big load off of her. Because, you know, people would come there and and they some of them would get so, uh, there was a tendency to get so serious and intense. Yeah. And, and uh, more so than uh, he was really uh, encouraging. Or in a way, he wasn't encouraging. And I remember with you, he said, you should go back and work on your thesis. Right. The one for the time when I, he was exactly right. I was trying to escape the damn thesis. But that's not the reason to come do Zazen. Go back to your work, he said. Yeah, uh-huh. he definitely sent me back. Yeah. And I know you have this story about when Philip called. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't think I have anything. Just pretend you've <laughs> never talked to me before. <laughs> That's probably a, a good procedure because there's bound to be difference in the telling. But yeah. Philip 
was calling down through the yellow pages to every church. And most of the churches said, um, oh, certainly, sir, we'll make, we can make an appointment with the pastor for you next Tuesday at three o'clock. Well, that was not what Philip wanted, an appointment. He needed it right away. And when he got a hold of Reverend Suzuki on the phone, Reverend Suzuki, who had just arrived, I mean, days before from Japan, and whose English was quite basic, Philip would talk, 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 and Reverend Suzuki would just say, please come, please come. Uh And that's what Philip wanted to hear. Yeah. And so that's why he came to, to Bush Street. In yeah. The temple there. Now, what year did you and Philip get together? Oh, he was the first man I met at Stanford. What first year? First person I met on campus. Uh, when did I go to Stanford? Fifty-three. It must have been nineteen fifty-three. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! Yeah, history. Yeah. Wow, that is something. And uh, you remember Tony? Tony became. The most famous drug lawyer in America. He lived in Bolinas. He was a neighbor of mine. Oh, I know Tony, but his last name, that's not his, I remember him. Tony Sarah. Tony was a good friend of Phillips, yeah. One time, who went to trial with that monkey on him because the monkey had gotten attached to him. Thought he was his mama, and he had to carry the the monkey under his jacket into the court. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. It was adorable. And one time he and Philip spent the whole day redesigning the map of the USA. It seemed to them quite silly to have all those different sizes of states. And so <laughs> <laughs> they got into it. They were so intent on it. Gosh. I was immediately back from working at the, you know, where I was, to Potrero Hill, where we were living, to find it over the map of the United States, redrawing it vigorously so that it was all the same eye sources, you know. It was quite a, wow. he was smart, Tony Sarah. Yeah, I, speak, I'm speaking of him in the past, but I don't, he may still be alive. I hope he is, yeah. I think I might know if he wouldn't because he's, he, it, it would be in the news. Would be a big obituary, right, yeah. You were talking about Potrero Hill. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Well, we we lived on Potrero Hill at 400 Pennsylvania Avenue. You know, mm-hmm. all the streets in Potrero were named after the states. And that was a very funny address for me because I had lived in Washington, D.C., where 400 Pennsylvania Avenue is the address of the White House. So oh, people that's... thought it was <laughs> Great that we lived there at Mimi Orr's place, uh, mm. and she was quite a fascinating figure. And I actually rented from her out here in Sonoma County too before uh, we, before I bought this house. But anyway, uh, yes, Tony, Sarah, and Philip were they had lots of of uh, time together, and they used it very well to redesign the map. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> now. You know, to some people, Tony Sarah, I mean, back then, in the football days, Tony Sarah was the quarterback for, I, I believe, 
for uh, the Stanford football team. He's very right. tall. And Philip was the, and Philip was the guard. Right, he the was the right guard. guard. Yeah, and he was mm-hmm. um, he was well known as um, somebody you couldn't get through. Uh, uh, there was even talk of him being all American. I, I don't know if you if that's true, but he, I've heard he, that. He uh, was asked. Yeah, he was invited. That's right. And he would have hurt himself. And he did. You know, he, he had CTE. What's no getting that? around it. Uh, we, well, it's the awful thing you get from concussions from not, you know, from playing football and hitting people too hard and not having the right helmets and everything. And it's, uh, it's happened. I mean, almost all the football players got it. And it's, I didn't recognize, we didn't, it, this, it's just become, uh, defined and as a disease, and the football teams have had to pay huge sums to their damaged players. Uh, and I, I did, that is really, I mean, Philip was always eccentric, but that CTE is what got him in the end. That is be. very interesting. That is, that is, I, I never thought of that. But I mean, I didn't at the time, you know, but later it's so clear. I mean, he was like a textbook case of it, really. The uh, the paranoia and the ex and you know the extremes of mood and lots of other things uh, that just exactly what they describe. Now, yeah, I'm sorry that I can't remember what CTE stands for, but I'm horrible about initials. But that, if you look it up, you'll see the symptoms and you'll see. Philip's last years, yeah, last decades. Wow. Um, there was a really good movie on it uh, with Denzel Washington playing the, the this African doctor who really sort of brought it to light in America through, uh, you know, he's going up against a multi-billion dollar professional wow. football. Wow, yeah, right. Uh, you denied, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Thank you. Yeah, no wonder I can't remember it. What a frightful word. Oh. Yeah, it's a progressive and fatal brain disease associated with repeated traumatic brain injuries. Uh, I would never let any child of mine play football ever if i i don't know how people i don't know how it, they're still doing it i think it's shocking no no they, you know, I, they, I agree it's terrible it's mm-hmm. it's worse uh i wrote a thing on uh uh being in australia and watching soccer and uh, australian rules football rugby i'm worried about but i said uh, american football is the most violent uh yeah, and, I'm and so definitely uh uh, rugby, hmm, what they do, I don't know. It might do the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, they, I, uh, it, they now, in training, they don't do contact like that. They, you know, they've, they've pedaled back to try to make it less, to diminish the symptoms or to, because it's apparently the repeated 
you know, concussion after concussion after concussion that causes the the real problem. And they're also much better about recognizing it and treating it right away than they used to be. In other words, there has been some mitigation, but so far that the, the it, I don't think they've really solved it. If you know what I mean, yeah. I wouldn't get. I don't. I can't even look at it without feeling it in my head. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well. I don't know why I never thought of this with Philip because I certainly experienced uh, mm, troubling behavior from him at, oh my God, at yes, many yeah. times. Uh, and I talked to him about it and uh, some, he, he, he would just call me a liar. I never did that, you know. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but then he'd come back Which later. Is one of the symptoms. It, denial, yeah, and then he'd come back later and say, I did, yeah. Or, or he'd say, did I really do that? Oh, my God. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, that's very interesting. Incidentally, uh, I told my son, Clay, who was doing very good, uh, he really liked football, when he was a little, little kid, uh, right? And he liked, mm-hmm. just like Philip, he liked being on the offensive line. And I said to Clay... Uh, I, I played football in elementary school and, uh, when, uh, our, ours was, uh, one through six. And when I went to junior high school, uh, you know, the first day I had my football equipment and I brought it with me to, to, uh, go out for the, uh, team. And I looked at all these big boys coming from the other schools <laughs> and I turned around and walked away. I said, nope. Never. Brilliant, David. Good. You saved yourself right at that right. turnaround. Good for you. Right. So I oh said to him, I said, it's, it's okay for you to play now, but you should quit when you get in the sixth grade or before you get in the seventh And actually seventh what they say, though, is that it's much harder on the kids, on the little ones. Yeah. The young ones. Yeah. So that was wrong advice. But uh, because, the, you know, the kids don't have the stronger brain. Structure. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's not as formed, and the skull is not as hard, and all that. So, I did just read a long thing about how they didn't—they didn't do it anymore with kids. Yeah, I hope because it is progressive. It is so scary. Let's go to the comic for, for a minute, David. The comic was that the only time Philip got written up in the Chronicle was when he was running down the field with his mouth wide open, of course, and a fly flew into his throat and choked him so much, and he was so miserable. And everybody thought that was the funniest thing. It was fortunately just in practice, not in a game. <laughs> but huh. it was written up in the Chronicle. <laughs> I don't know if it was, you know, in those papers I sent to you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, Isn't that silly? Yeah, that's something. Uh, uh well, you know, um, th- th- there's estimates of how many uh, insects, I guess it would be, uh, we take in <laughs> a year, and um, you know, there's there's uh, there, there's an average. Um, I, I don't. Th- it might be around a pound a year, but it might not. It might not be that much. Uh, it, it, well, I think it was that it got caught in his air pipe that was so. Oh yeah. Distressing. Yeah. <laughs> Not that, yeah. 
we I think we ate grasshoppers together somewhere. I remember we were given delicious fried grasshoppers, so we weren't against eating them once they were you know not caught in our throats. <laughs> yeah, well, I've eaten in Thailand. I've eaten grasshoppers, stinging scorpions, centipede. Uh, wow. I, I've eaten worms and. Uh, wow. Ants are common. Uh, uh, but, you know, really, when it gets down to it, was just uh, uh, trying it out. It is, is that they have, what's it called? Chitin is in, in their exoskeleton. By the time you're eating it, all you're doing is chewing on chitin. And that's the same thing uh, 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 mushrooms are made out of, or they're one of the primary ingredients. And it's not really good to eat. Uh, well, if it's been cooked, it's all right. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a novelty. Uh, yeah. Uh, say, all right. Well, so I, 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 mean, I think it's some, it's part of a more regular diet in certain cultures, but not ours. You know, yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. God knows in California, they're eating about everything these days. But mushrooms, some of them are a little scary, so. Well, yeah, but it's not because of the chitin. Not uh, because of the chitin. Uh, I got it. Okay, yeah. My, my older son uh, uh, is really an expert on, on mushrooms. He's an amateur mycologist, but has done, you know, he's oh. been involved with the most famous people in the world working with mushrooms. And um, uh, he says, you know, it's very easy to know what's poisonous and what's not. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he was thinking of doing a book on, on uh, that would be like mushroom identification, just very basic for the lay person. But people make mistakes I remember when Kobunchino first came to Tassara, we were out. I was driving him back into Tassara from the city, and he stopped and picked all these mushrooms. And I was terrified. And then he goes and he yeah. cooks them up, and I just envisioned a zendo full of dead bodies. <laughs> uh, but we lived. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He, he recognized him, I guess, as harmless, I hope. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki God, did you remind me of that drive into Tassajara. That was the scariest drive. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's uh, frightened many people. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've been in and out, in and out of there a thousand times. Uh, yeah. And I got in some of my more sophomoric days in my 20s, um, I, I would... I would uh, set speed limit record. I mean, the speed record oh. for coming in oh. and out. Uh, I don't even like to remember it. I don't like to. Don't. Let's I, not even think about it. Yeah, I shouldn't have brought like that, it up. No. Um, and, uh, but uh, Suzuki uh, would, I, I remember him stopping and picking ferns to cook. Yes, and they were yummy at a certain point. He taught me how to do that. You know, you have to catch them. If you catch them too late, they will poison you. Is that right? But if you catch them, yeah, you have to catch them right at the, at when they just curl. He explained oh. that to me. I've forgotten all about that. Bless his heart. But I thought they were yummy, and I've eaten them in Florida. Uh, 
uh, and um, at a restaurant, and they were, you know, delicious and perfectly safe. But I've ne- I've always been too scared to to try, you know, to catch them myself at the right moment. I'm 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 not sure enough of my eye, I guess, my judgment. Yeah, I I um, I, I understand that. So hey, there we are. You're you're working on your thesis, and your thesis, if I remember correctly. Uh, was on Virginia Woolf. Uh, That's right. And and the second one only to be written, you know, in the United States at the time. Uh, she was not much read. Yeah. Well, I um, you 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 you're, you became a sort of recognized authority on Virginia Woolf, wouldn't you say? Apparently so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <someone> in, <laughs> well. We have here at the sitting room library what we call the Wolf Wall, which is this wonderful bookshelf full of, it has three shelves of books written by Virginia Woolf, and then 13 written about her. (laughs) So Uh much, I've lived long enough to see, I know my beloved Jerome said, you know, I think now we're over, you know, we're overdoing it with Wolf. We un- underdid it at the beginning and then overdid it. But uh, she is still, I mean, there's just been started a Virginia Wolf Society in Turkey, for heaven's sake. Oh, my gosh. And I know. And my, our curator here of the Wolf stuff, wonderful Joanne Borey, went to Cambridge to a class. She thought she'd meet a lot of English people, but there were two Japanese, four Italians, two Koreans. You know, there were people from all over the world, and they must be reading her, or maybe they know English well enough to read her in English, or they're reading her in translation. Can you imagine? I mean, she's hard enough in in English. Well, now, they Um, might be reading her in English, but people, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time in Asia, and uh, a lot of people read English and don't speak it. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, that's true. I mean, I I can do that with too. Actually, yeah, that's what they're doing then. But anyway, isn't it a fun that she's gone so international? My gosh. Um, so there was something a story I was going to tell. What was it? Oh, just that the this well, it wasn't a very good story. Anyway, the curator uh, ran my name through some you know uh, electronic thing. Uh, with, along with Virginia Woolf's, and many, many sources came up. I was startled to see her, what she found. Uh, we've, we've all just become history. It's lovely. I mean, we were so lucky to know Reverend Suzuki in person. I mean, people just come want to touch me because I knew Reverend Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you must get that too. Yeah, or you yeah. were here for sure. Yeah. yeah, I would just, I just did a podcast with a fella, and I said, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of undeserved status uh, because yes. of that. That's what I felt. <laughs> undeserved status. <laughs> Maybe that's the only kind we get. You know, something that bugs me is that the word notorious is now used positively. You are notoriety. That it means like celebrity with no negative. We used to save it 
for mafia bosses or something. There is a tendency in language, at least in English, for words to come to mean their opposite. It's not. It's wow. not unique. Uh, you. <clears throat> so. Um, hmm. Uh, that's very interesting, though. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about Notorious. <laughs> uh, you watch it. Oh my God, it's awful. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's a lot of that you can you can see in modern language, uh, especially a lot of language has changed through through youth, uh, and you especially yeah. see that coming out in in the way uh, the young people uh, are you, you know what catches on with them. The one that really killed me bad, uh, bad I can understand, but sick, why, <laughs> why? Why did that? I think what, what we thought we were cool to say cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Remember cool. People are still using cool, I know. Cool, even cool has hung on. It's from the 30s. It, uh, it, really? I didn't know that. I thought it was 60s. Oh No, it goes it way back. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And probably most of them start with black people and then that's we right. adopt them. That's yeah. right. Cool started... Uh, one thing I read, it started with uh, uh, black uh, jazz musicians describing jazz how they felt when they took heroin. Wow. <laughs> uh, but that's well, one, one point. Uh, you know, uh, the word is so catchy and works so well. Uh, the, the, in, in Indonesian, karen, K-E-R-E-N, is cool. And it also... Can be, I think, I'm not sure if Karen can be used. Sajuk means cool, and and it uh -huh. can be used both ways. Actually, uh -huh. I don't know about, I don't know if Karen can mean cool temperature-wise. But, but I, I, and there are some words I've noticed in Indonesians that have the double meanings. I guess they picked it up from English or something that English has. They, I think it's human. I think it's some human need to contradict oneself, you know, and uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. to undermine the very thing you're saying. I think it's because so, you're not sure or whatever. You want to cover it. with The word that irritates me now is fun. And people say it's been fun. And I can't figure out what exactly fun means. It just seems like a word they use to describe a more complicated experience with a very simple and untelling word, but it you hear it a lot. I mean, perfectly serious people talk about having fun, and I wonder, hmm, what does fun really mean to people? Is it a certain scratching of an itch, or what is it, you know? Uh, and and uh, I, I, I'm trying to... I read a wonderful novel by Swift. Uh, I forget her first name. She's Egyptian. And she talks, her English is excellent. She writes about the Arab word for, the Arab people have 13 words for love. And it's utterly fascinating. It's words like, there's a different word if you love somebody and they don't love you back. There's a different word for somebody who loved you and stopped. There's a 
different words uh, line you feel sorry for. I mean, there are these nuances and innuendos. And we use the simple word-minded word love to cover everything. <laughs> love, you know, love and hate, we use it all the time. And they're, they're not, other languages have much more elaborate it's sort of like that thing about Eskimo snow that they always say, you know, they have more words for snow. Because you see the heat for differentiation in the terms. And I, I think that's wonderful. I, I'm kind of aware of the, I love, you know, I know Shakespeare really used English beautifully and all that. But I'm beginning to feel its lack, especially in the 60 or so words that people use in general conversation. God. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a tendency in the develop of language, development of language, I read, uh, for it to simplify. Uh, Humph. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, yeah. That, I remember in, in studying anthropology, it talked about, but I can't believe that. I mean, it's just hard to believe uh, incidentally, I read an article on the, uh, uh, the, uh, Eskimo, how many Eskimo words for snow and all that. And, yeah. uh, that's been greatly exaggerated, uh, I to, understand. Yeah. That, uh, I read that same article, but it doesn't yeah. stop me from using it as an example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I go over things people wrote. Uh, I can't get out of it. Uh, sometimes and one thing I find is people, uh, using, mm, uh, you know, examples, uh, uh, you know, like that are, well, like one person recently said that climate change was like putting a, a frog in, if you put a frog into boiling water, they'll jump oh, right out. But if yeah. you put them into cool water and heat it, they will stay there. Well, that's a wives' tale. It's not true. Um, and anything like that. It's become I, a metaphor, really, yeah, yeah. for something. Uh-huh. If, if I'm working By on By the things, way, I don't approve of old wives' tales being dis- used to discount. That's a... a misogynistic a little bit around a little patriarchal around oh oh you're right old wives tale both age and wives right you know it's ageist and anti-women you know so i I have to call you on that (laughs) oh my god let's see what should i know it's an urban myth let's just say urban yeah urban myth good use urban myth yeah Um, so far no one's (laughs) and and that's just um uh uh anti-city which nobody will call me on, but but Which actually nobody will call you on. Everybody agrees, right? Yeah, right. But really, the city is no more the source of it than the country. <laughs> if I, vice versa, I think. Right. Yeah, probably. Right. right. Amazing. That's hey. Thanks well, for pointing that fun. out. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I did have to call you on that one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell Katrinka that. Uh, that, you know, <laughs> I won't forget that. I won't forget that. Well, please, my yeah. regards to both of you all that you even remember the house. And I'm sitting looking at it kind of laughing because during the COVID close down, we renovated like crazy here. And it looks so different. Oh. Uh, and 
the kitchen too has been beautifully renovated. So uh, it's it would it would surprise you now, and I think please you at the way it has changed. Ah, oh, that's very interesting. Well, I haven't been back to America in ten years. Um, You're not likely to come to see two hundred two five Curtis Drive. I know. <laughs> um, no, no, I think I think uh, 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 we would definitely. If we go back, she always, uh, she goes back. But if we go back together, which I will be against, I will, she'll be dragging me, uh, we'll drop by. Uh, that would be great. We don't, we don't have a, we don't drive vehicles here, you know? I loved it when you said you were walking to the dentist. Yeah. Oh, we walk. Wonderful. So many places, so often. But, you know, we got to get out and, Get a vehicle. We have a, uh, the same guy we call to go shopping locally. In fact, if, if he's, if he's in the country, they, they have to go back to the country all the time for ceremonies. You know, the place they're originally yes. from. If he's there for his, I I'll, that, yeah. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait and do it another day. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, we walked to, I walked to the, to the hospital, which is like going to the doctor. All the doctors are there. That's 20 minutes. Uh, and it's the newest one in Bali. It's very, very good, very modern. I'm impressed by that. Just the walking itself keeps you healthy, probably. Oh, I've got to. I've got to. It's it's my number one discipline. Zazen is number two. All right, I hear you. That's very impressive. Yeah. I who still love to drive because when I drive, I don't feel old. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got all that horsepower under me. But I don't. It's. I admit. Uh, I even drive across country still. You know. When oh I, my God! Yeah, you remember that I go to Florida every winter. So don't come then to. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to drop by. But yeah, you must think a little. You used to live up in the beautiful hills in Sonoma, didn't you? Did uh, I make that up? Uh, lived in, uh, yeah, uh, lived on, uh, you know, where Crane Canyon uh, right. meets, uh, 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 right at the very top of Crane Canyon Road, where it meets Farmer. Is that Farmers? Um, God, I can't remember. I think no, it Grange Road, Sonoma Mountain. Grange Road, no, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's next to Sonoma Mountain where Bill Kwong is. Grange Road and Crane Canyon Road at the very top there. John Tarrant has uh, sort of an estate, and uh, I lived there for like eight years. It was fantastic. Right, it's so I drive by there all the time. I love that Crane Canyon drive. Oh, I yeah. just had a visitor from Florida and I drove her that drive and she kept saying, can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? I said, no, we've got a car on our tail. <laughs> you know? Wow, that's funny. <laughs> but she, it is it is beautiful up there still. Yeah. And blessedly, you know, we've had all that rain, which was helped a lot. So, but right now the air is smoky. We do have a smoke alert from some mm. Oregon fire. Yeah. So I can't claim it's paradise. You stay right on your island. You got it made, man. I'm glad. As long it, as climate change don't get you. <laughs> it will. It will, but I'll tell you, it yep. sure hadn't yet. 
Yeah, uh, I'm glad. Uh, well, uh, um, you know, I I I talk I'm. I try to touch on climate change with everybody. And one thing I end up saying a lot is that what I've observed is that climate change is affecting from the poles. The poles are having extreme and have been for for a long time, extreme change. But you get down it, it. And I hear Southeast Asia is having a lot of trouble, but not here. Not here, but well, it will. Florida, the, in Florida, the the seas, are, the ocean is a hundred degrees. The, that's pretty scary. Oh, I, no, that's, I hope it's. Yeah, that's yeah, too hot. Yeah. That's too hot. Eighty yeah. is swimming pool temperature. Uh, Eighty-two uh, is when I'm willing to go in, but uh, but a hundred, I I'm scared of. Yeah, yeah eighty-two is nice. Now, well, it's nice here. Uh, it. It, um, but look, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people here. Uh, I've done, I've been in uh, uh, poetry slams. I've been to a number yeah. of poetry slams, and I won one of them. I don't, I don't like competitive poetry, but anyway, but that was with a, a sexy. Uh, I just recited a song I'd written for. Katrinka's birthday that was like really sexy <laughs> and then it, it ends and they loved it of course yeah. yeah oh everybody freaked out but especially when I ended it by saying for my wife Katrinka's 70th birthday <laughs> I knew it I knew up to that point they thought I had a young lover or something uh, yep I bet right that's cute but how does this connect with climate change well after that I started just You see, doing, I go to poetry slams, yeah. <laughs> after that, I only did poems about uh, pollution and climate change. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, one thing I pointed out is it's going to become uninhabitable here if, uh, if, if things continue without changing. Uh, you know. Everybody will have to leave, you mean. Well... I'm afraid uh, that would be a, a luxury that most people can't. Afford. Yeah, that's happening all over the world right now. There's, there's more and more uh, death and suffering because of that. Um, but hey, on a brighter note, I googled J.J. Wilson in quotes. And Virginia Woolf, in quotes, that means it won't be picking up random Virginias and random. Yeah. You know? And I got 359 responses. Good God. Yeah, that's more or less what my friends, my the curator here said. Shocking. Well, they're even more than that, I tell you, because we put right now, we just finished the we, I mean, someone else did the work, and I got to just write a piece for it. The 100th issue of the newsletter that we started called the Virginia Wolf Miscellany. 100 issues, my God. <laughs> and everybody's acting like it's, you know, well, history incarnate or something. And I kept saying, do we need to continue it? I kept saying, You've got blogs, you've got blurbs, you've got, you know, you've got all these other sources on the Internet. Why do you need this 
old-fashioned Virginia Woolf miscellany. And they acted like I was, you know, I don't know, denying the Virgin Mary or something. I mean, they want it to continue. Yeah. It's so funny. I say, well, what does it serve? I know what it did in the past, and I see what it's doing in the present, but I have no view of what it's going to do in the future. And they say, well, wait and see, J.J. I say, I can't. I'm 87 years old. <laughs> can't wait and see, you know. I, I, it, people are terrible at thinking toward the future. Yeah. People, Some of the yeah. people I work with are, are so, they're, I don't know, they're sort of nostalgic and they're, and they're in the present moment, but the future is, and maybe that's because of climate change. They don't dare think. Yeah, yeah, I know. People are, I've found it, it, it's really changed. People are well aware of it, just a broad spectrum of people. Let me ask you something about Virginia Woolf. What's her appeal? What, what, why is, you, you know, all right, what's her appeal? What, what, what is it? That she wrote. <laughs> Why do people need to yeah, read Virginia Woolf? Well, um, mind you, I, this is going to sound like I'm skirting the answer, but I'm not. I just need to complicate it. She, I know people who can't read her novels because they're too uh, interior, too nature, or, you know, all kind of reasons they can't read them. Um, and, uh, they can read her essays and just love her nonfiction. They get that. She wrote in a lot of different genres. And her writing in essays was not as experimental as her novels. And so she's reachable on a lot of levels. And um, But for me, what drew me, because that... Honestly, that's I don't speak for the whole world here. Uh, she, Virginia Woolf is like Shakespeare. She's different. People get different things from her. What they need, they find there. And uh, like you know, Louise de Salvo found all about uh, sexual abuse there. What that she could read that into every line. Other people read other things. For me, it was as if. She helped me see, reading her novels helped me see the way I used to see as a child. With that directness and intensity. And I cherished that so much. So that's what got me hooked. Mm. 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 Does that well satisfy said. a little bit of your inkling? Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and people can look into it further if they, if they want. Um, Hmm. Well, well. Oh, I I see. This is for publication. You mean, good lord. Uh, well, I would have prepared a more sensible statement. No, if no. About it. It's uh, not publication. No. Don't worry about it. It's conversation. Conversation. Uh, I love it. We're having here. We're starting at the sitting room round tables with just six people and a host to use the resources here at the sitting room. And one of the things, one of the roundtables is called Savoring Virginia Woolf. And by the way, I'm not part of it because my voice would weigh too heavy. Every People who've read enough Woolf to be interested, you know, not to be, it's not introductory. And each person 
is going to take a novel they they like and then look right on the shelves right there where they can reach, right where the round table is. They can reach an archive file on that novel that has all kind of weird, wonderful things in it. They can read critics on that novel, and they can read Virginia Woolf's diaries and letters that she wrote while she was writing that novel, in which she, isn't that going to be fun? Wow. Uh, that's amazing. And then they were, then they'll share, you know, what they learned with one another. Well, I didn't know that To the Lighthouse, really, you know, blah, blah, blah. So in Into the Lighthouse, which is kind of a tourist trap and not my favorite wolf novel, um, she has her mother, the mother in it, Mrs. Ramsey, dies in parentheses. Mrs. Ramsey died last night, period. Do you know how many chapters it takes in Victorian novels to kill a mother? Uh. Three chapters at least. So she's partly... I mean, what's fun about it is that she's pulling the carpet out from all the novels that have been written before. She's make, making fun of them. You know, she's doing them one better. Wow. And, uh, I love that. I mean, that was revolutionary for me because I'd read all those Victorians and she thought they were materialists and not interested in the things she was interested in. So she... The book that's now getting a huge... There are two books of hers that are getting a huge amount of attention. One of them is Mrs. Dalloway, and it's partly because it's out of copy right now. And it's partly because it's been... uh, A version of it has been written called The Hours by a a novelist called Michael Cunningham. Um, And it has been, believe it or not, his novel, but which depends on Virginia Woolf's novel and quotes it a lot, has become an opera sung at the Metropolitan Opera by wonderful singers, Renee Fleming, for one, for instance. Mm. And so it's like, it, it, and partly it's because they say, they say that people read it as an account of the pandemic, the flu that came after World War One, that killed so many people, you know, um, mm. was seen as analogous to the COVID epidemic. And so everybody just reading the hell out of that book, which is great. Then Orlando has taken off because it was a wonderful spoof on gender, among other things. And... Everyone now is so into gender fluidity and, you know, all that, that they just read Orlando like it was holy text. And I have to keep remind, I have to keep saying to people, actually, it's a joke, you know. <laughs> she's, she's being funny. The British humor is as its own little hyperbolic, you know, jokey, snarky way. And young people now... American young people, anyway, don't get it. Huh. That's very interesting what you had to say about that. Well, you would love Orlando, David, because you would get the jokes. I mean, it is, it's a joke on literary history. It's a joke on Vita Sackville West's family history. It's, it just takes every, and 
it just has the best time and uh, ends with three dots, right? Ha, huh, that's, <laughs> funny. that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Try to read Orlando and see if it doesn't work for you. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell Katrinka. Uh, yes, yes. Because sometimes we read to each other. Uh, and uh, Oh, that would be fun to read to read aloud. That would be great. Yeah. yeah the waves, we have, we have read the waves aloud in an all-night session. It was really fun. Uh, but that's pretty far far out. I mean, you got to really be a wolf addict to do that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But try Orlando on for size, and then let's talk again after you've tried it, okay? Okay. JJ, it's, it's really been delightful talking with you. Um, and uh, that's, uh, I really appreciate it. That is good. Um, don't, don't forget that Cuban suitcase story. That's yeah, boy, that's story. good. That is really yeah. good. Well, that is smart. By the way, Niels, her husband, who said they've been married seven years, and he said she was speaking in public just recently, and she quoted Virginia Woolf, and he didn't even know she'd ever read Virginia Woolf. <laughs> and uh. there she is in Nicaragua quoting Virginia Woolf. So there must be something. You know, what it is is room of one's own. That's what everyone quotes. And it, Adrian Rich has made great fun of it and, you know, made a, made a good critique of it. It's not my favorite at all, but it's what everybody will mention if you mention Virginia Woolf. So huh. that and the Edward Albee play. I, um, I saw that in New York with my mother and sister. It was a hell of a play. But, yeah. you know, uh, he there's a lovely letter that Albee wrote to Leonard asking, it was after Virginia Woolf's death, um, asking his permission to use Virginia Woolf's name. And Leonard wrote a beautiful letter back saying, we, Virginia and I always stood against any kind of censorship, and we're not going to start now. Use well, it, that's sure. good to hear. That's good to hear. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. And then yeah. he went to see it with a friend of his who's an actress, a famous Ibsen actress, actually, and he loved it. He saw the play in London, and he wrote Edward Albee a letter about it. And Edward Ed wrote him back saying, after I got your letter, I had to go out and walk around the block three times. It's the kind of letter every writer wants to get, you know. And, and he was so excited. So that was a very nice transaction. Mm. 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 All around. Yeah, it wasn't. But some of the other... Uh, uses the room of one's own. There's a hotel in Napa that's been advertising. Want a room of your own? Well, come to our hotel. <laughs> and I think Virginia Woolf would have been a little horrified by that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So it's become it's become a, a trope. You know, I mean, it's said all the time, and I can't quite figure out why, but it is. Huh. It's the, what she's. You know, why we would be remembered by the thing that we might the most regret is one of the unfortunate things about celebrity and notoriety, I suppose. So yeah. keep your head down. Don't let that happen to you, David. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I sort of agree, uh, though, also with uh, her and, and uh, her husband's uh, 
uh, her husband or, or uh, the policy of uh, letting anybody do what they want, you know. It's, uh, yeah. It don't. It doesn't matter. Don't stop them. <laughs> what, what was it? Uh, Ed, Ed, Edward, um, what's his name? Bill, uh, William Irwin Thompson. Bill Thompson wrote in At the Edge of History. He said, uh, history, you know, he started talking about how it gets things confused, you know, that there were two Quetzalcoatls yeah. in Mexico that were a thousand years apart and they're confused. He said, Someday, uh, St. Patrick of Ireland and Pat Buchanan will be mixed up together. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I even heard that St. Patrick accused of starting the violation of nature by humans by running out to snakes, that that was a first sign that, um, you know, we were headed to climate change because we of our impact on nature, our trying to make things safe and everything we screwed everything up so wow. anyway dear i'm i'm hanging up now because i got to go to the bathroom so there that's different than going to see the moon but the moon is out again tonight so i'm gonna go have a look i'll go take a look at the moon too and uh, i'll wave Good. to you when i do thank you dear i love sharing a moon with you and it's time talking thank you for running yeah you take care so thanks a lot, J.J. Wilson. Oh, hey. Um, sorry, you know, right when we were saying goodbye, uh, it we lost a good contact there. You know, the the um, we had so we were sort of losing her uh, feed up into the stratosphere and back down here to Earth. There are a few places here or there. I. I fix it in a couple of places, but you might have noticed some other. Anyway, like if you notice something where it just sort of abruptly goes from one thing to another, that's <laughs> probably where uh, there was, you know, it got to be where I couldn't understand what she was saying. Wouldn't go on long. Uh, anyway, no matter. Uh, there was plenty of good stuff there. So um, thanks a lot, J.J., uh, Look forward to hearing you more. I'd love to see you. I'd love to visit you at that lovely place in Sonoma County. So until next time, this is D.C. Poobah of Cuke Archives and Cuke Audio. Coming to you from Sleepy Sanur with Doggett Bandita, guest Doggett Bumbita, and new a new uh arrival uh, uh a very lovely sort of fluffy white and black cat named manis which means sweet in uh indonesian a woman is dying and we're that's why we're getting it and her husband uh uh needed somebody to take care of it and you know i wouldn't have done it I'm hard-hearted, but uh, Katrinka, uh, you know, it's friends and stuff. So uh, she accepted it. And the guy who's from Australia, he, he called the cat Manis. Sort of, <laughs> but, but probably not Manis. That sounds sort of Texan. Man, but, you know, Manis rather than Manis. Manis. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, right now, um, she's getting acclimated, <laughs> like Bondi. Boom Boo, the little toy poodle, there's no problem with the two of them. Boom Boo just doesn't pay attention to her. Uh, and she didn't pay attention. She can tell Boom Boo's nothing to worry about. But she's hiding under the the sofa in the bedroom. We're keeping the bedroom closed because Bondi will just go in and, well, she'll get under the sofa and just look at her and growl a little and bark. Just bug her, you know. Uh, Bondi thinks cats are to, are to chase and play with. But she got very close with our prior cat, Coochie, um, and um, may she rest in peace. And they used to love to play. They had a very close relationship. They go chasing each other around, and uh, it was great. But uh, you know, they're doing all right now. We're we're locking Bondi out of the bedroom, and and we're not letting uh, Manis out either because a new cat goes to a place. You, you want to keep it inside for a few days. Uh, let it know there's food and people that uh, are nice. So anyway, that's what's happening. So um, we're all wishing you and everyone a grand awakening.